With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome in, everybody. College football betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. I hope everybody's doing well. And I know that you are doing well. Because we are in August and college football is right around the corner. Media days are done. Training camps pretty much everywhere are open. And we are going to continue our preseason look at what is one of the greatest sports on the planet, college football. We have given you a podcast on the SEC East over under win totals. If you missed that, go back and download it. We have given you the SEC West, Alabama, and then what find out you can check that out on the podcast and of course last week we gave you the big 10 east following big 10 media days just a few days ago today we look at the big 10 west first of all if you missed any of those podcasts you can go back and listen i'm putting them out so that you have plenty of time to go back and check them out before the start of the season but today it is about the big 10 west really interesting division where there is no clear-cut team at the top, like an Ohio State in the East, like an Alabama in the SEC West, like Georgia in the SEC East. So I think we're going to have fun, and I think you'll be surprised as I get to my favorite bets and least favorite bets on this show. First of all, before we get started, do a couple quick reminders. One, make sure that you're subscribed to College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. If you want to do your boy a favor, go ahead and uh, make sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes. And also, we just relaunched the YouTube page for College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Go find that on YouTube, and I'll even make a deal with you, the listeners of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. If you can prove to me that you are one of the first 50 subscribers to that page, we're up to 15, we just launched it. If you can prove you're one of the first 50, you got to send me a screenshot of you being subscribed to College Football Betting. I will send you a $25 Buffalo Wild Wings gift card. All you got to do, send me a screenshot at Aaron underscore Torres. DM it over to me. You will get a $25 Buffalo Wild Wings gift card. So that is my promise to you. We're going to get the YouTube page ramped up, uh, but we are going to get into the SEC West here. Reminder, by the way, uh, all the uh, over-under spreads are presented by DraftKings.com, DraftKings Sportsbook. Link in the bio for all of the over-unders. And of course, as I always say, uh, this show is strictly to provide you the best content and the best information that you can possibly have. I'm not selling you anything, not handing out my guarantee lock of the century. So let's get into it. First of all, let me say this. I think when you see a division like the Big Ten West, with Wisconsin, with Iowa, with Nebraska, these programs that at least historically have been really, really, really good, I think the inclination is to want to start there. But when I look at this division, you know who I think is the best bet over-under-wise in this division? You're going to think I'm crazy, but when I explain why, I will tell you. I think it's Purdue. Yes, the Purdue Boilermakers, Jeff Brom. How about Purdue, first of all, last year? I think it's easy to forget. We all kind of get caught up in the world, and we remember the playoff and the major bowl games. 
Purdue won eight regular season games last year, nine games in total. Included in that season, they beat Iowa, who was, of course, the Big Ten West champs. They beat Michigan State. Michigan State was undefeated coming off a win against Michigan. They lose to Purdue. And Purdue also won that wild, goofy bowl game against Tennessee. I know we have some Tennessee fans that listen to this show, so we will not relive it. But I think it's easy to forget that this team won nine games last year, won eight regular season games this year, and the question now becomes, can they match that eight-game regular season win total from a year ago? At first glance, I'll be honest, when I went into my prep, this was a team that I thought I would not like, okay? Because keep in mind, they win eight games, maybe a couple breaks, they catch Michigan State at the right time, all that good stuff. But they also lost their best offensive and best defensive player. David Bell, I thought, was maybe the most underrated wide receiver, underrated maybe even player in all of college football last year. 93 catches for the Boilermakers, and he didn't even play in the bowl game. And then, of course, you lose George Karolafis off the defensive side of the ball, defensive line, first-round pick, of the Kansas City Chiefs. So when you lose a 90-plus catch guy on offense and a first-rounder on defense at a place like Purdue, you're not supposed to be able to bounce back. But the more I dug in, the more I like them, really in all phases of why I would like a bet like this. Why do I like Purdue so much? First of all, it obviously does start with the offense, right? We all know Jeff Brom, superstar, rock star, um, you know, has been pursued in a bunch of different off-seasons by a bunch of different schools. But this is a guy that pretty consistently puts out just an elite difference-making offense, especially in the passing game. Fifth-ranked passing game in all of college football last year. The year before, they actually led the Big Ten in passing, yes, in a season where Ohio State had Justin Fields and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba. It was Purdue two years ago, which led the Big Ten in passing. Well, this year, they do lose David Bell, but... They bring back Aiden O'Connell, their starting quarterback. He's been a starter for two years now, threw for 3,700 yards, 71.5% completion percentage, actually pretty close to 72% completion percentage, and 28 touchdowns. So you bring back your starting quarterback. You bring back, you do lose David Bell, but you bring back four of your top five wide receivers overall. And here's the other part, three starting offensive linemen return as well. But if it was just about the offense, I'm not sure I would be sold that they're going to hit eight wins. Well, one, the defense is really good too. And I think this is something that we always tend to forget with a school like Purdue. We think about the offense. We think about the, the, the coach, Jeff Brom. We think about everything that he has done offensively. The defense is really good too. They finished in the top 40 nationally in total defense. And look at some of these scores of games and what they held opponents to. My UConn Huskies hate to admit it. Gave up, they gave up zero points to UConn, uh, nine points to Illinois, 20 points to Minnesota, seven points to Iowa, 14 points to Northwestern, seven points to Indiana. So listen, they didn't shut down Ohio State. They didn't shut down um, you know, Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley was there. I mean, I'm not saying that they're a, a juggernaut. What I am saying is that against the teams that they're supposed to play well against, they generally do. And this group brings back eight starters off of what was a really, really good defense, even if they did, in fact, lose that first rounder, as I said. Finally, I'd be remiss with Purdue if I did not mention the schedule. And you know, I can't say that everybody, I can't say that I spend more time looking at schedules in this time of year than anybody in the media, but I think I'm pretty darn close. And you look at Purdue's schedule, it's kind of nice when you really break it down. 
So as I mentioned in the East portion of this uh, podcast, when I talked about the Big Ten East last episode, um, they did they do open very interesting opening night game that first Thursday of the season on Fox. Penn State does go to Purdue. They are a slight underdog in that one. So you're sitting there saying, well, Torres, they're a slight underdog at home in game one. How can you like them so much to get to eight wins? First of all, as I just said, slight underdog. Thursday night, opening night. This is college football. You know something's crazy is going to happen. And so it wouldn't shock me if they beat Penn State. But then on top of that, look at the rest of the schedule. You know who isn't on the schedule this year? And sometimes it's just as important to see who is not on the schedule as opposed to who is. Purdue does not play Ohio State this year like they did last year. Purdue does not play Michigan State like they did last year. Purdue does not play Michigan. So no Michigan, no Ohio State, no Michigan State is huge. The cross-division games outside of Penn State instead are at Maryland. Okay, I'll take my chances there. And Indiana, obviously, in the Oak and Bucket game, big-time rivalry game that they took care of business against the Hoosiers last year. More importantly, look at the out-of-conference. Indiana State at home at Syracuse, Florida Atlantic. So you just do some basic math. Indiana State feels like a win. At Syracuse, Syracuse is a mess, feels like a win. Florida Atlantic feels like a win. 3-0 and out of conference. You get two very nice cross-division games. That's already five wins, and that doesn't include teams that you've had success against like a Nebraska, like a Northwestern, whatever. No Michigan State, no Michigan, no Ohio State. I believe that Purdue will get to eight wins. I believe this is my favorite bet, not only in the Big Ten West, this is my favorite bet in the Big Ten in the 2022 season. Let's keep it going, and let's go to my second favorite bet in the Big Ten West, and you are going to laugh. Yes, I'm serious. Please stop laughing. No, no, no. Stop laughing. I'm serious. No laughing. My second favorite bet, you're going to crack up. I like Illinois over four and a half wins. So remember, last year was Illinois year one of the Brett Bielema era. And I know we got some Arkansas fans that listen to this show. I know you don't have positive memories of Brett Bielema. But Illinois really wasn't that bad last year. They finished, first of all, their over-under this year is four and a half. They won five games last year in year one. And don't forget who they beat. They beat Nebraska in that opener, the first game of the Brett Bielema era. They beat Penn State. Now, that was the weird nine-overtime game that was terrible, and we all realized this new overtime rule sucks. But they did beat Penn State at Penn State. Beyond that, they closed the season strong. They won three of their last five. Four of their losses were by seven points or less. UT San Antonio in week two by seven. Maryland by three. Purdue by four. Rutgers by six. So just as easily, this team overachieved at 5-7. and seven. They could have been 7-5. and five. A break here or there, they could have been 8-4. and four. And so you look at that team, again, played well down the stretch. Here's another thing about Illinois. They played really good defense down the stretch, especially late. Late last year, four of their last five games, they held opponents under 20 points. 18 points against Penn State. 20 points against Rutgers, 6 points against Minnesota, 14 points against Northwestern. It's the same with Purdue. I'm not claiming they're Ohio State or, uh, or Alabama, but part of being a successful team is taking care of the teams that you're supposed to, and Illinois at the very least played them tough last season. Well, now you come back, you played really well, and as I said, 
the defense was surprisingly good last year for the Illini. Uh, even if the offense was not great, they did run the ball really effectively. I do think the question becomes a quarterback. Obviously, Brandon Peters is gone. Art Sikowski is back. They also bring in Tommy DeVito, the transfer from Syracuse. Finally, what I would say with Illinois, again, over-under is four and a half. You don't need them to win uh, 11 games to hit the over. But you look at their schedule. There is a scenario where Illinois can start 4-0. They open at home against Wyoming. Wyoming lost everybody in the transfer portal last offseason, including Isaiah Naor, who is now at Texas. They play at Indiana in Week 2. That's obviously a Big Ten game. That is a Friday night. They play Virginia at home in Week 3. Keep in mind, Virginia, first-year head coach Tony Elliott, Brock Mendenhall, Bron Bronco Mendenhall excuse me, left. He retired. Tony Elliott, the former offensive coordinator at Clemson, comes in. Chattanooga in Week 3. Now, from there, it does get much tougher. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but there is a scenario where Illinois can start 4-0. And if they start 4-0, and I think they'll be favored in at least three of those games, you're looking at a scenario, they got to go 1-7 excuse me, over the final eight games to hit that over. Now, again, there's, there's tough games at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, at Michigan. They do play Michigan State as well. But you look at this team that won five games last year, I'm not saying it's my favorite bet on planet Earth. I'm not even saying it's my favorite bet in this division. Uh, but but I would say that beyond Purdue, my favorite over-under bet is Illinois my uh, over four and a half. Let's get to some of the stayaways because I say it all the time on this show. But one of my responsibilities to you guys is not to claim that everything is a great bet and you have to be on one side or the other of everything. And I think there might not be a better example of that. You, you probably know where I'm going if you listen to this show or the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. That is the Nebraska Cornhuskers at, with an over-under of 7.5. And, and I've mentioned on the Aaron Torres Pod a million times. So I'm a Nebraska guy, sort of. And the reason I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Nebraska, when I was growing up, and people of my age, if you're above like 33, 34, when you were a kid first starting to watch college football, Nebraska was basically Alabama right now. Nebraska won three national titles in four years when I started watching college football, obviously the last one in 97 with a guy named Scott Frost as their quarterback. And so I've always wanted them to be at least interesting and relevant. And what I will say about this team, you know, I, 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 I've backed them many times in the past. You look at things on paper, you can see a very easy scenario where they get over the seven and a half wins. First of all, they're really talented. I mean, you go back to last year, you watch some of their games, um, and we'll get into some of their games, but even the broadcast. I remember Joel Klatt vividly during the Ohio State game. Ryan Day in the pre-show meetings was saying, this team has as much talent as anybody that we're going to face all year. Well, Nebraska did have a little bit of an overhaul this offseason, but you look at the talent in that locker room, it's as good as anybody. Keep in mind, we always talk about a school like USC cleaning up in the portal or Texas cleaning up in the portal. Nebraska really did about as well as anybody. They got Casey Thompson from Texas. Now, it's easy to forget now. Casey Thompson led the Big 12 in passing touchdowns last year. That's a real stat that happened. Now, he left when Quinn Ewers came in, led the Big 12 in passing touchdowns last year. He is now at Nebraska. They got O'Shawn Mathis from TCU, maybe the best defensive player in the portal. Everybody thought he was going to Texas, following Gary Patterson. He ends up at Nebraska. 
one of the best defensive players in the Big Ten coming into the year. They got Trey Palmer, former four-star wide receiver from LSU. They got Kane Williams, safety, started his career at Alabama. Tommy Hill, really good cornerback from Arizona State. I mean, they have real players on this team. And what I would also say is that it feels like in years past they've had the toughest schedule in the Big Ten. And one year I think they did. I think the Big Ten literally gave them the toughest schedule during the COVID year because they were mad about how outward Nebraska was trying to play football during that COVID season. But you look at Nebraska's schedule this year, man, everything breaks right. They don't play Ohio State. They don't play Michigan State. They don't play Penn State out of the East. Now, they do play at Michigan, but they play Rutgers and Indiana in their other cross-division games. That's a pretty nice schedule for a Big Ten West team, especially a coach heading into a make-or-break year. I also give Scott Frost credit, by the way. Shook up the coaching staff. He's no longer calling plays. It's on Mark Whipple. And so I really like this team. The question becomes, why can't I bet the over-under? Well, we all know why that is. It's because Nebraska is cursed. Okay, they're not literally cursed, but it sure feels like that sometimes, right? You go back to last year, I think everybody knows the stat by now. But the stat, of course, is that they lost nine games total. All nine games, they lost by nine points or less. They actually outscored their opponents on the season and went three and nine. And Nebraska fans are hearing this like like shaking in the corner, and I don't blame you. Think about not only not only the, the scores of these games, but think about who they lost to. They lost by a touchdown to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, of course, they didn't win the Big 12. They won 10 games, though. They lose by three in overtime to Michigan State. Michigan State won 11 games. They lose by three to Michigan. Michigan goes to the college football playoff. They lose by nine to Ohio State. I watched that game start to finish. They were driving the field to take the lead. Don't get a score. Ohio State comes back down, puts the game away. They were driving to take the lead. Wisconsin, they were up big at one point in that game. Iowa, they were up big in that game on Thanksgiving Day, or was it the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday? So you just talk about a a program that is snake-bitten. I I don't know how anybody can bet this team in good faith. I think they're going to get over seven wins. Or Let me put it this way. I think the the goal, like the stated goal for this program, get to six and six, go to a bowl game. And so because of it, I got to stay away. Because I, I don't think Nebraska fans would be thrilled with six and six. But you get us to six and six and we go to the Holiday Bowl, we're partying like it's 1996, baby. So I just bring it up to say that's a total stay away to me. But Nebraska is undoubtedly one of the most interesting teams in college football, a stay away. So what I want to do, do you want to take a quick break? I do want to come back. And when I come back, we'll look at the rest of the Big Ten, including really two super marquee teams, Wisconsin and Iowa. I think they're very fascinating in their own right coming into this year. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. 
But before we do, how about our partners, DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook? Incredible offer for those of you who love Major League Baseball. Bet $5 on any team, any game. You're a fan of Cincinnati. You're a fan of Houston. You're a fan of Chicago, Boston, New York, whoever. Bet $5 on any team. And whether they win or lose, you get $100 in free bets Courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. That's right, $5 on any team, $100 in free bets, whether they win or lose. Unbelievable offer. Here is how you can take advantage. Click the link in the show description and sign up for a new account with DraftKings Sportsbook and make your first deposit. Make a $5 money line bet on any team. And whether your team wins, whether your team loses, you get $100 in free bets, courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. It is the best deal going in sports betting. So go ahead and act now. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITHIN in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Must be 21 plus or over to enter, 18 plus or over in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, Louisiana, New York only. Minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, Thank you again to our partners, DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. Obviously an incredible offer for first-time users. Make sure to take advantage if you love Major League Baseball. We will have pro football uh, uh, offers here in the coming weeks, college football as well, so make sure to stay tuned. With that said, let's get to the second half of the Big Ten West, and let's get to what is probably, I would argue, I would say the second most prominent team, or, or, or maybe the most prominent team really over the last couple of years in the Big Ten West. That's the Wisconsin Badgers. Over-under set for eight and a half, and if you've just followed Wisconsin over the last couple of years, that feels a little bit low, right? They're usually about a 9-3, nine, 10-2, nine 11-1 regular season team, even if they haven't been able to get over the hump against Ohio State or whomever in the Big Ten title game. Well, the reason the number is eight and a half is because if you remember back to last year, they were nine and four last year and eight and four in the regular season. So the question becomes, what happened for those of you who forgot? It was really a tale of two seasons because it was a tale of two seasons for their quarterback, Graham Mertz. In terms of the team itself, they started one and three. Now, admittedly, the schedule was very tough early, and I don't think we realized it at the time. They opened against Penn State. I don't think we realized that Penn State was really, really, really good when they were healthy, when Sean Clifford was healthy earlier in the season. They then play Notre Dame. It's a close game into the fourth quarter. Couple turnovers. It ends up being a blowout. Notre Dame finishes 11-1. Don't forget about that. And then they lose at home to Michigan in a game that nobody knew Michigan was a college football playoff team at the time. So they start 1-3. But beyond that, why they started 1-3, and I hate to criticize any individual, but it was because their quarterback play wasn't very good with Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz, those first couple games, I I tripped over my own words, two touchdowns, six interceptions in those first four games. Not surprisingly, when you play Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan, it's not going to end well for you, and so they started one and three. To his credit, he turned things around over the final nine games, eight touchdowns, five interceptions. Now, that's nothing to write home about, 
but it was good enough to let Wisconsin finish the season with an 8-1 and record down the stretch just by being slightly above average and not mediocre. And so Graham Mertz is back, and if you get that Graham Mertz, they're an interesting team. Because remember, on top of Graham Mertz, they really established the running game late. Braylon Allen was phenomenal, typical Wisconsin running back, over 1,200 yards rushing, and I don't think he's slowing down at all this year. Uh, and on top of that, it's easy to forget. I mean, you just talk about an incredible defense for the Wisconsin Badgers last year. We talk about Georgia, that historic defense. You know who finished number one in the country in total defense? It was Wisconsin. They were that good last year, that dominant last year. I mean, go back and look at some of the games that they played and some of the performances that this defense had. Yes, they lost to Penn State in week one, give up 16 points. But zero points to Illinois, 14 points of that uh, Army triple option. Purdue, we just talked about how great that offense was. Give up 13 points, seven points to Iowa, three points to Rutgers, seven points to Northwestern. This was a great defense that, I hate to say it, was sort of wasted because of the bad quarterback play. So the question becomes, what are you getting from the quarterback play? Uh, What are you getting from Braylon Allen, the running game? And then I think the ultimate question is, is what it comes down to is, is that the defense loses eight starters off last year's team, are you going to take a half a step back? And if you're a top 10 defense or a top 15 defense instead of the number one defense in the country, what does that mean if you're not getting elite quarterback play? I think the final thing to consider with Wisconsin, schedule's really tough. They play at Ohio State, and I noticed this when I was doing my prep. The Ohio State game has already been announced as an ABC game, which means that it's almost certainly a night game in the horseshoe. On top of that, you have to play at Michigan State. So two really tough cross-division games, both on the road, at Ohio State, at Michigan State. And they also have to travel to Iowa and to Nebraska. And so I think you can legitimately argue that four of maybe their their four or five toughest games are all on the road. Here's the other thing, too. We all make fun of P.J. Fleck, and we're going to get to Minnesota in a second. Wisconsin had won 14 straight games against Minnesota, the Paul uh, Paul Bunyan's-Axe rivalry game. Minnesota's beaten them two of the last four times. People make fun of P.J. Fleck. The dude gets results. And so if I'm Wisconsin, this game just this just feels like a total stay away to me. No disrespect to this group. I, I, think, I could see the scenario they're 10-2. I really could see the scenario they're 10-2. But when you're talking about potentially your four toughest games, at Ohio State, at Michigan State, at Iowa, at Nebraska, all on the road, that's a tough ask of this team. And so because of it, they are a massive stay away. Let's get to the team. I think we spend so much time talking Nebraska, talking Wisconsin. You know who won this division last year was Iowa. Iowa 10-2 in the regular season. They do finish 10-4 overall. Keep in mind, they lost to Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, Lose to Kentucky in a bowl game. How about this for an over-under on Iowa? The over-under on Iowa is seven and a half. And so the question becomes, how do you, how, how does Vegas, how does the DraftKings Sportsbook See, Iowa coming off a season where they went 10-2, and and they do bring back 16 starters, by the way. How can the over-under be 7.5 wins? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because the offense was really, really bad for Iowa State despite the 10-win regular season. How bad was it? 121st nationally. There was only 130 FBS teams last year. Iowa ranked 121st nationally in total offense. And so I think the next logical question becomes, well, wait a second now, 121st in total offense, 
How did they win 10 games? Well, what I would say is what I told you on this podcast last year. I remember this being a theme, especially early when, when Iowa was playing really well. Iowa not only was great defensively, but to its credit, they forced just an absurd number of turnovers last year. 31 total turnovers they forced last year that was third most in college football. And how about this? 25 interceptions. 25 interceptions, which was by far the most in the sport. The next closest team had 21. And so I'm not great at math. Don't call me John Madden here. But when you you force 25 interceptions, 31 turnovers overall, but 25 interceptions, you know what that means? It means that if they're returned at all, you're not only saving points, you're getting short field position. And so I remember saying on this show, I said if somebody just doesn't turn the ball over against Iowa, I think they're imminently beatable. And that's what started to happen late in the year. I looked it up, obviously, before I did this show. Iowa, in their four losses, you do the math, they had they forced four turnovers. So if you do the math, that means that they forced 27 turnovers in their nine or their 10 wins, excuse me. Not great at math, but that's 2.7 turnovers forced per per win, one turnover forced per loss. And there was a couple, I, I think there was at least one loss where they didn't force a turnover at all. And so to me, why I, I get the over-under of seven and a half is because I'm a big regression to the mean guy. And what I mean by the regression to the mean guy is, listen, it's no discredit to Iowa. They've been great defensively for years and years and years now. But when you have a statistical outlier as important as turnovers forced and 25 interceptions, you have four more than anybody else in college football. Yes, it's great coaching. Yes, it's great scheme. Yes, it's great a lot of things. But at some point, you feel like it has to regress to the mean a little bit, right? It feels like at some point you got to sit there and say, well, wait a second now. If they, instead of forcing, you know, almost three turnovers per game, if it's one and a half per game, are they going to start to lose these games? And that is where I start to get worried. I also worry a little bit about the schedule. They are, as best I can tell, I could be wrong on this, but I don't think I am. Only Big Ten West team to play Michigan and Ohio State. The Michigan game is at least at home. They will play Ohio State on the road. They also have their regular rivalry game against Iowa State, which is going to be tough. Iowa State loses a lot, but that's always a close, low-scoring game. Nebraska and Wisconsin, they're at least at home. They do have to play at Purdue, which might not seem like a huge game. Purdue beat them last year. And so, again, it's really a, a, a pretty simple deal here. The games that they won last year, they forced a lot of turnovers, which led to points. The games that they lost, here are the final scores of those games. 24-7, they lose to Purdue. 27-7, they lose to Iowa. 42-3, they lose to Michigan. Kentucky, 20-17. 7.7 points, 3.17 points in their four losses. And they also had a couple really close wins. The Penn State game, they were down 17-3. Sean Clifford goes down with an injury. They win 23-20. They beat Northwestern, who was terrible, by five. They beat Minnesota by five. They beat Nebraska by seven. So four point so four score four games by seven points or less. Uh, they didn't score in games where they didn't turn the ball over. This just feels like a colossal stay away to me. Uh, I could see the eight wins, but I could see a couple things going the other way, and I could see this team finishing seven and five. Really quickly, let me wrap on the last two teams, Minnesota. Let's start with them. Listen, I'm a PJ Fleck guy. I just said it a minute ago. 
First of all, their over-under win total, I should mention, is 7.5. Everybody loves to crap on P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck, in, his, in the last two non-COVID seasons for Minnesota, Minnesota has won nine games last year and 11 games the year before. You know how good that is at Minnesota? I, I looked it up. I forget all the details now, but I looked it up. That 11-win season that he had two years ago, they had basically had one 11-win season this century, in the last century, and he follows it up the first non-COVID season with nine wins the next year. This guy's the real deal. So seven and a half, I would lean over, especially keep in mind a few things. One, they bring back Tanner Morgan, another uh, basically third, fourth-year starter. Chris Ottman-Bell, their leading wide receiver, is back. And Mo Ibrahim, if you remember, was dominating that game against Ohio State. I wouldn't say dominating, but he was keeping them in it. He goes down with injury. He is back. The offense, you would think, is going to be more explosive. They fired their offensive coordinator, bring back Kirk Soraka, the guy that was the play caller when they won 11 games back in 2019. And it's a really veteran team. I think he, I, I think Fleck calls, uh, he's calls them the encore four. Tanner Morgan, Ottman Bell, Mo Ibrahim, and another kid basically all taking that last year of eligibility when they could have gone pro last year. So I like this group. I believe in P.J. Fleck. And did you know this about Minnesota? Like, this blew me away. This I did not remember. They had the fourth-ranked defense in all of college football last year, okay? They were ranked number four nationally in total defense in college football. Number three, excuse me. Wisconsin number one, Georgia number two, Minnesota was number three. And so there's a lot of reason to like Minnesota. But as weird as it sounds, that last thing is what kind of concerns me. Because in addition to being number three in total defense, you also know what they were number three in in the country? They were number three in time of possession behind only Air Force and Army triple option teams that never throw the football. And so Minnesota, by nature, the way that they play, for people who don't watch them a ton, they have a big physical offensive line, which they lost a couple starters from. They just try to lean on you, 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 and try to wear you out and try to win close, low-scoring games. And so that's exactly what they did last year on their way to nine wins. They finished, uh, they had six games that were decided by a touchdown or less. They went four and two in those games. But that's a little bit about why I worry, is what happens if a couple of them go the other way. Every game is close. Every game is low scoring. I don't want it to sweat out wins and losses for 12 weeks. This is why it's a stay away to me. I would also add, schedule is insane. They get Penn State and Michigan State in the crossover from the Big Ten East. Both of those games are on the road. They also play at Nebraska, at Wisconsin. Not great at math there, but those are four really tough games that are going to be on the road in brutal Big Ten stadiums. They do play Iowa at home. Uh, Purdue, uh, they did beat Purdue last year, so that's kind of interesting. They have to play uh, Purdue as well again this year. But I'll just be honest, I don't see a ton of value in Minnesota at 7.5. I would probably lean 8-4. and four. I trust Fleck, but not enough to bet the over. And then finally, I'll just wrap with Northwestern. I mean, listen, Northwestern's crazy because look at their last four years. 2018, Big Ten West champs finished 9-5 and five overall. 2020, they go 3-9. and nine. Or 2019, they go 3-9. 2020, COVID year, win the Big Ten West, play Ohio State tough in the Big Ten Championship game. Last year, they go 3-9. So the last four years, two Big Ten West championships, two 3-9 seasons. 
This year, I just I can't get excited. The over-under, by the way, DraftKings Sportsbook is four. I can't get excited about it. I just can't, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Yes, you can bet on the historical anomaly that they will go over that four, and I would lean over four, but they were really bad offensively last year, 116th nationally in total offense, 101st nationally in, uh, in total defense. So they weren't good on offense. They weren't good on defense, and it is a tough division. I, there's not one game, maybe Illinois, where I would say that they're going to be a definitive favorite. But, I mean, you know, they, they have a manageable out-of-conference schedule. Duke, Southern Illinois, and Miami of Ohio. And then they probably will be favored against Illinois at home. But after that, it's hard to find the definitive wins on their schedule. Now, I will say, most interesting game, not only of week zero, but pretty much whatever. No, they play Nebraska in Dublin. They beat Nebraska. Scott Frost might not be led on that play. You th- Lane Kiffin, you thought Lane Kiffin had a bad get left on the tarmac at LAX. Scott Frost might get left at Dublin. So the interesting game, but I'm just I, I can't be excited about Nebraska or about uh, Northwestern. Total stay away to me. As a quick reminder, that is the SEC West. Uh, my favorite bets in this division. I do like Purdue over seven and a half. I sort of like. Illinois over four and a half. Otherwise, everything else is a stay away. Nebraska over under seven and a half. Wisconsin over under eight and a half. Iowa over under seven and a half. Minnesota over under seven and a half. And Northwestern over under four. So that's it. Another edition of college football betting is in the books. And I appreciate your support. First of all, if you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, whatever. Please do me a quick favor, leave a rating and review. If you enjoy this show, and based on the numbers that I'm seeing, people are listening, I appreciate your support. Go ahead, leave a rating and review. Uh, And also, as I said, we're ramping up the YouTube channel. So YouTube, find it, College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. And if you can show me that you are subscribed, we are at 15 subscribers right now. If we get to 50 by the next episode, it's got to be by the next episode. If you show me that you are one of the subscribers, DM me a screenshot, I will send you a $25 Buffalo Wild Wings gift card. That is all for today's show. I'm going to get out of here. Make sure to catch up on old episodes. We're done with the SEC East, SEC West, Big Ten East, Big Ten West. Next week we'll be back. Big 12, Oklahoma, Texas, Baylor. Is Texas back? No, they're not, but we'll talk about them anyway. I'll be back next week, people. Have a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed this edition of College Football Betting. More good stuff to come before the season starts.